Good morning, everyone. And thank you for the privilege of being with you today in worship. It really is wonderful to be here and to have a chance to share these comments uh, with you this morning. So I would like to start off today by talking about a prayer, by reading a prayer. It's called the Third Step Prayer, and it comes from 12-step programs. It is the part of the program, it comes from the part of the program where folks are taking the third step out of the 12. It's the one that says, we made a decision to turn our life and our will over to the care of God as we understood God. And it goes like this. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. And following this wonderful prayer, there's this line that says, we thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to God. That we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to God. Isn't this the whole story? Isn't this really what we, we work so long and so hard to be ready to get to the point to say, here I am, God, utterly. And this is the story, I think, about the readings this morning, about all of the readings in the Bible, behind them, in them, all around them, is this tracking, this progress, this process toward becoming ready to utterly abandon ourselves to God. And it's clear that these were challenging times then as they are now. Paul in Romans chapter 12, 2, in exhorting the Romans, he says the following, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Sounds like Paul, doesn't it? Got to be perfect. But what I want to take a look at in this reading from Paul this morning are three words in it. Conformed, transformed, and renewed. And then to look at those three words in relationship with today's readings and their effect on us in our lives. So in the beginning, Paul says, and do not be conformed to this world. Now, conformed in the Greek is sushematiso. And he's using this as a command. Do not be conformed. That is, do not be identified with the world. Come on, Romans. We've been through this. We don't identify with the world anymore. We have been transformed by the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. And the word in Greek for transformed is the one we know in English, metamorphosis. It's metamorpho in Greek, and it is a change that occurs after being with someone or some conditions that change our outside form while keeping our inner reality. And this is what's happened. Paul's saying, you have been changed by Jesus the Christ. That is who you are inside. You are the love of God inside of you. Identify with that, not with the world. Let that light shine through. Don't let the darkness of the world come in and obliterate your light 
or obscure your light. And in the last part, he talks about renewing. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the word for renewing in Greek is anakainosis. And Paul's readers would have, under, Paul's listeners would have understood that this is the process. This word refers to the completion of the process, to the symmetry, to the perfection of being transformed, letting your light shine into the world, and knowing that it takes place, this renewal takes place, all through the power of God. The God that was in them and the God that is in us today. So be true to who we are. Be changed by our relationship to God and to Jesus and to the Spirit and know that whatever it is that we are changed into and doing our best to utterly abandon ourselves to the will of God is in fact God's will for us. So we go to Jacob's story and we take a look at Jacob's story. Now it's a mess back there. I mean, Jacob's story is a story of deceit and despair and lies and deception and all sorts of things. I mean, he stole the birthright from Esau, his older brother, at the behest of his mom, Rebekah, who was afraid that if Isaac, his father, gave Esau the blessing, that it would look badly upon the family and their relationship with God and their power base, perhaps, because Esau, you see, was a bit of a rebel, and he was off with the Canaanites. In fact, took two Canaanite wives, which greatly disturbed Isaac and Rebekah. So the idea of saying, look, we can't let Esau have this blessing, at least to Rebekah, Rebekah brought Jacob in and tricked Isaac into blessing him. And it's interesting when you read the part about the blessing, Isaac was very close to his son. There was something about his son's rebellion and living out in, in the land, so to speak, rather than in the tents and study where Jacob did, that Isaac was very proud and loving of Esau for being this kind of a person, in addition to the rebellion that he caused them. I digress. So the story goes on, and we see all of these things that happen with Jacob and a lot of the difficulties and the challenges he has, and he has to run away from home, so to speak, and he goes and lives with Laban, who is Rebekah's brother, and takes his wives there and raises his families there. And in the process of this, he's struggling. Of course he's struggling. And yet, all of the things he does seem to be inconsequential to God in terms of God's will. Along the way, God intervenes in Jacob's life and gives him direction and says, here's where you need to go. This is what my will is for you. Here's a dream to take you there. And when you continue to struggle and when you really need to be taught, I'm going to take care of it by giving you a shot in the hip by someone you will wrestle with in the middle of the, in the, middle of the night until break, daybreak in the morning and your hip will forever be out of socket and with every, every step you take, you will be reminded of the transformation and the renewal that I have caused in your life. Because for you, my will is what is most important for you to follow. And Jacob gets the message. In fact, at the end of the story, when Jacob is returning home, he sends ahead all of his possessions, all of his family, for their safety, but also as a gift to his brother Esau in peace, 
because God has appeared to Jacob and said, leave the land of Laban. It is dangerous for you. It is my will for you to go home. And knowing that everything may be lost, Jacob goes home. He's been renewed. It is God's commands that he is following. And God's commands, that is, he is witnessing to all of those around him. There's a Hebrew word, teshuva, and teshuva, it means to return. Return in the sense of re-turn, turning away from sin. And the Greek word for sin is missing the mark, or the way I think of it is as distance from God. So distance from God is really what is a sin. So when we return, that is, turn away from our distance from God and move closer into the proximity for God, that we are returning home. So this theme of coming home to God, of listening and following God's will in our lives, that takes us through all of the struggles and the challenges that we face, but ultimately, at last, brings us utterly into a place of abandoning ourselves to God. Here I am, God, is the story then, as it is for us now. It is being true to who we are, being changed in our relationship to God and Jesus and the Spirit, and knowing that it is God's power, God in us, that is doing all of this. And I see the story of Jesus in this morning's reading in Matthew the same way, although I always think of the idea of metamorphosis by being in someone's presence or some conditions that change us from the inside. I've had that experience. There are people in my life who have literally changed my life. I'm sure that's true for you. But I can't quite imagine what it must have been like to actually walk with Jesus, to listen to his spell-binding teachings, to be touched deeply in that God in us by the God in Jesus. Well, this morning, Jesus comes back to the shoreline after having left a while before upon hearing the news that Herod had executed his cousin, John the Baptist. And the text says that Jesus went off to a lonely place in the boat. He left the shore, he left the shore for a lonely place. And eventually he comes back and the crowds had heard what happened and they're all gathered around the shore and they see Jesus coming. And the thought I first had when I read the section was, oh, I wonder if there are some folks there who are coming to be with Jesus in his time of grief and sorrow for the loss of his cousin. And I, I think there may have been some people there who truly felt compassionate for this, this man, Jesus, and yet when you're a person in authority, when people come to you for teachings, when you're doing healing and performing miracles and great wonders, there's sort of this idea, well, you don't really need, you know, you get through things better than we do. You don't, we don't have to worry about you because you're fine. Look at you got it all together. But we need you to worry about us, Jesus. We need you to, to be with us, to heal us and to teach us. So come on. Come on off that boat and teach us some more. And Jesus gets off the boat and he doesn't send them away. 
doesn't say, come on, guys, I'm, you know, I'm sort of tired and sad and I really need a break and I'll see you tomorrow, okay? He gets off the boat and he starts to teach them. That's who he is. It's God's will for him. He teaches them. And he performs his healings. And when the disciples come to him and say, Jesus, it's getting late. Time to go. We have to send them. We have no food. We have to send them out so they can have some food. Jesus doesn't conform again. And he says, no, tell them to sit down. And what food do we have? Bring it to me. And he looks over the loaves and the fishes and he blesses them as we will the bread and the wine this morning at our table. And he blesses them. And it's as if they too are transformed in his, by his presence. And the food is distributed, and when it's all done, what is collected is much more than they started with. So this transformation, this renewal, this conforming, this process of anachinosis, all of this produces more in our lives and the lives of others than we could ever expect. It is this message, I think, that Jesus is teaching and Jacob is teaching by their reading in Genesis and that Paul is trying to teach in his Romans. That is, it is this, that God is in you. You, me, God is in you. You know Jesus the Christ. Be faithful unto Jesus. Be faithful unto God by whatever names you may know God by the Spirit, by all of these things. And be transformed and let the world see the light. Because that's what we're here for. To let the world see the light as we move on in our lives to the point where at last we can utterly abandon ourselves to God and do God's will and say, here I am, God. Now, it all sounds very well and good for stories that took place long ago. And even though we know they were difficult times back then, we know the story. We know the beginning. We know the middle. We know how it's going to end. So it's human nature not to focus so much on the struggle, but just to focus on the happy ending, so to speak. What we don't know about ourselves, however, is where our story ends. We know the beginning. We know where we are in our life, more or less, perhaps where yesterday was, depending on our memory. I forget yesterday, moments after it happened sometimes. And where we're going is, well, sometimes more about projection than reality. The point is that Jacob and Jesus had their good and bad days too. And we have our good and bad days too on this journey. And it, whether we're in the struggle or in the joy, or whether one day is just a day that gets us from the previous day to the next, it's about being in the presence of God and knowing that God is in our presence as deeply as is possible in the very heart of our creation. And to let that shine, whether it is by a smile that we offer someone or whether it is in the work that we do in this city of ours to somehow respect its blessing as a gift from God, whether it's the way that we work with family members, whether it's the way we come to worship, 
whatever it is we may do, one day at a time, as best as we can do it, if we are trying to remember as much as we possibly can that we are the presence of God in this world and God in our lives, and we have been renewed and transformed and let ourselves not conform to the world so that we may bring the gifts we have been given into the world. However we do that, it is worthwhile and wonderful and God's will and enough. One day at a time, it is enough. It is about progress, not perfection. So transformation, renewal, reconciliation, all of the things that we work so hard for, the prayers that we pray so much, one day at a time, let us turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand God. Let us be renewed. Let us remember that it is the power of God in our lives that brings all things into our lives. And let us remember it's a day at a time, one step at a time. And let us remember, too, that it's some days are better than others, that Jesus and Jacob had some days better than others. And so as we come to the close of this morning's comments, I ask that we remember, if nothing else, that we are the walking presence and light of God in this world. And we may be the God, the only God that people may see on any given day because of our presence in their lives. So let me close with the prayer that we began with, that we began with this morning. The third step prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will and take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. And so, my friends, be assured of God's presence in your life. Be assured that this is a journey of progress, not perfection, and that it happens one day at a time and that we are all teshuva. We are all returning home to the will that God has for us in the lives we have been given to share through the transformation and the power of God in us that we no longer conform to the world before us but to the God in our lives, bringing that into the world in which we live. Thank you again for being with you today and may God go with you and God's light shine with you in all the places that you may find yourself as you go forward from here. God bless you, and thank you again, and amen, and a women. Peace.